Welcome to Beyond the Pink Cloud, the podcast where we talk about moving forward in our lives through recovery and navigating the world with grace, ease, and humor. We've got tools and strategies from the experts to help you live with less stress and increased ease. Let's get into today's episode. Hey there, everyone, and thank you for being here with me for another episode of Beyond the Pink Cloud. This is your host, Dr. Alice Kirby. I will keep this very brief and let you get into the interview with Julia Sheehan, otherwise known as Rocket, on her Instagram, which is her trail name, and she is a long-distance backpacker and hiker, and I will let you hear her story from her. It's amazing and inspiring. I did want to say there's a a bit of um, a bad audio, like the first two minutes of this recording. So I apologize for that. I've done what I can to try to fix it, but it's not great. It does stop though. So I wanted to, I wanted to give you the disclaimer. If you can hang in for about the first minute or so, it gets better and the audio sounds good for the rest of the time. So you don't have to listen to that weird buzzing. Occasionally those things happen and you know, I'm no audio genius, so I, I do what I can to fix them and then ask for, uh, ask for your grace and enjoy the episode. I'll be off backpacking for a few weeks myself, so we won't have any more episodes for a few weeks, um, but then we'll be back and I'll look forward to it. And in the meantime, come on in and join the Sober Girls Hiking and Adventure Club. We had our first workshop last weekend and it was amazing. So there will be many more to come as well as group hikes, online support, and weekly live videos for educational and training purposes so you can come learn some new things. All right, thank you so much for listening. If you like the podcast, please tell a friend about it. Please subscribe and maybe leave a positive review. And uh, I appreciate you for being here. Enjoy this episode with Julia. She is an amazing human. Hi, and thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Beyond the Pink Cloud. This is your host, Dr. Alice Kirby. And with me today, I'm so excited. I have uh, Miss Julia Sheehan here. And um, Julia is someone that I found on YouTube because she has this really awesome um, movie about her time on the Appalachian Trail. And Julia is a full-time adventure lover and long-distance backpacker. She started her journey over two years ago when she quit her job and sold all of her belongings and hiked the entire Appalachian Trail. Before that, she struggled with finding her happiness. And after working as a nurse, she realized that every day is a blessing. She has since hiked over 3,000 miles and has many more planned. She has struggled with her mental health since childhood and has found nothing more cathartic and healing than long-distance backpacking, and I love that so much. Um, So thank you for being here, and I'm so excited to learn more about you and just hear more about your story. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Yeah, you're welcome. Um, Could you just tell us a little bit about kind of what, I guess, what what brought you to sort of making the switch from being like a, a professional um, woman and clinician and a nurse to really coming to that point of like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I'm just going to go backpack for months at a time. That's such an incredible thing. Yeah. My story is not unlike a lot of other people who live a similar lifestyle. So I was working as a nurse and I loved, I loved helping other people. I loved working as a nurse. Um, I love the community of nurses that I worked with, the people that I took care of. Um, but I worked in a really serious um, unit. So it was a neurosurgical unit where people struggling with strokes, brain tumors, cancers, um, just really, really terrible, nasty diseases. 
Um, and I started taking care of patients that were my age or younger and a lot of them being terminal or just kind of beginning their battle with, you know, really gnarly, um, diseases and, um, different things like that. So after doing that for about a year and a half, I realized that, you know, I could have a stroke tomorrow or something really bad could happen to me. And if that were to happen, would I be proud of the life that I live? And for the most part, yes, but there were so many things that I had said, I'm going to do this someday. And a lot of that had to do with traveling and seeing the world kind of in a slower paced um, environment where it's maybe one foot at a time, one step at a time. Um, and just, you know, going through that, I realized that if I didn't do it when I did, I probably would never. I was 29 years old and I wanted to celebrate my 30th birthday. So going into that next decade of my life, doing something completely extraordinary. So I started researching different outlets of how I could see the world that way. And there was van life and travel nursing and all of that seemed great, but I wanted something just more raw and maybe something that more easily more achievable. So I just, you know, sold my house. It sold in like 24 hours after listing. Um, and the housing market wasn't anything crazy at the time. Um, I told my boss that I was leaving and within five months I was on the Appalachian Trail. That's amazing. Did you, were you a big um, like hiker and backpacker before? Not really. So I grew up in the woods. My family, we lived, you know, in a wooded area and I grew up hiking, camping, fishing, all of that stuff. Um, and then the older I got, the kind of further I strayed from that. Uh, but when I was in nursing school, I was really stressed out. Nursing school is a very high stress um, education. And so I remember I would find myself taking my dog and we would go to the state park um, in the town that I lived. And we would just, I called it walking in the woods and it was like therapy. And I remember no matter what was going on, I would take my dog. I would listen to some music. I would just go listen to birds, stand in the forest. And I realized that that was where I actually went to like decompress and heal. And just a lot of things started feeling better once I started getting back into nature. So I kind of made more of a point to like um, investigate that avenue of what made me happy. And eventually it just kind of led me back to um, backpacking, but my first night on the Appalachian Trail was my first overnight backpacking experience. Wow. So, was it? Were you scared at all? I was absolutely terrified um, up until the point when you actually start. So, a lot of people that I, I talk to that are maybe getting ready to start their own backpacking journeys, they, you know, will message me and call me, and they're absolutely terrified just because they have no idea what what life is like on trail. And the minute you're out there, it all just dissolves away and just you become like the person that you've been waiting to be, I guess, in a sense. Um, such a neat description. Um, I think, I mean, you're so right. I agree with like everything you said, just the idea of nature being the ultimate place of decompression. And it does, it really, I feel like it lets when I'm out there, especially when I'm out there for longer periods of time, it's like my soul just gets closer to the surface. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I like the way that you said that. And that's crazy that you were just, I mean, it's not crazy. It's really interesting that you're like, well, I've never done this before, but I'm just going to go and try it. Did you, I'm always curious about like gear. Did you find that you had like more stuff than you needed and had to do a bunch of reshuffling? Um, how was that for you when you were like first starting out and kind of learning really what was essential for you on the trail and, and what you could go without? Yeah. I mean, I think until you're out there, you don't actually know what is necessary. Um, I had bought a whole gear kit um, over the winter. And then right like a month before I left for trail, I had kind of made a video about what I was taking with me. And I got a lot of harsh criticism. So it had me kind of re 
evaluate what I was taking with me. And then that second gear kit, I ended up purchasing and returning a bunch of stuff. Thankfully, REI has a wonderful return policy. And I got all new things. And when I left for the trail, I actually needed more than I had um, had originally packed. I, I packed for thinking that Georgia in March was summertime and I ended up almost freezing to death for the first couple of weeks until I got um, just some more winter like hiking clothing, um, just some pants and like a long sleeve shirt. But I didn't really send too much home, just like my rain pants, because at certain points you're going to be wet anyway. But other than that, pretty much everything I started with is what I ended with. I did a lot of research the second time around and really was able to kind of hone in on what exactly I needed. Mm, that's really smart. I think, I think you're right that we do have to kind of be out there and then see. And I'm curious about the people that gave you a, like a hard time about your gear. Was it just people from the internet that are like, that's too much. You're blah, blah. I feel like I always get a hard time about gear or I really used yeah. to. Yeah. People Especially would be like, as a woman. why is your pack so big? Because I'm, like, I'm carrying oh, yeah. my shit. You're not carrying anything yeah. on. <laughs> or like, you don't need that. It's like, well, you don't know. You can't really dictate what I do and don't need or what I do and don't want. Um, yeah. So I always tell people, as long as you can physically handle it and you're happy with what you're carrying, I would, you know, you can carry the kitchen sink if you want, you know, if it's going to make you happy. And I met people that hiked with me that his pack was 60 pounds fully loaded with food and water. And mine was 30. And he hiked the entirety of the Appalachian Trail too. So when people say like, you're never going to make it, you're so unprepared, you know, to each their own. So yeah, that's a good attitude. Um, and I think, yeah, because I think everybody, everyone's needs are different and there could be the, those couple small things that really like stoke you out and keep you going. I tend to carry a book when I backpack with a physical book, which a lot mm-hmm. of people are like, that's dumb. It's too heavy and blah, blah. But I really, I like it so much. It makes my life so happy on the trail. Um, did you, did you, did you carry a book? Do you carry books and like trade them out or do you? You know, I am more of the person that pinches like ounces. So I, because of the amount of distances that I'm doing, I am really conscious of my weight that I'm carrying. So I do like the Kindle on my phone, but my one like luxury item that I cannot live without is I have an actual journal that I journal in every single night with my mileage, my location, how I'm feeling, anything that's happened for that day. Um, And it's just one of my things that I absolutely must have. So I just get like a really, really lightweight notebook from the dollar general. That's like, you know, a hundred pages. And I just write in that every night and I don't carry books, but I do carry something that I think most people, you know, they journal on their phone or whatever, but I like having like my actual handwriting. Cause a lot of times that also shows me how I was feeling at the time too. Mm-hmm. There's something about putting pen to paper I think that you just, you do kind of miss out on, on your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm so curious. Did you, I want to ask you more about gear and how you cut weight. How do you cut weight? I'll just ask you. Cause I do, it's something I struggle with. I'm not doing really long distances. And I know a lot of the women in my group and my audience are doing, you know, shorter backpacking trips, but it's a topic that comes up a lot of like, well, how do I carry less or what do I actually need? And um, just any guidelines that you would, you would give for determining those things? Of course. And I think as women carrying more weight is going to be harder on our bodies. Um, you know, so I think that the heart, the most realistic thing to advise is not necessarily the one thing I want to advise, but it is, we pay more for things that are lighter and those things are normally not as durable also. So you're paying for something lighter that can't really handle, you know, if you're not super skilled at setting up the tent or setting, you know, using things appropriately. So honestly, it's just researching brands that offer ultralight or lightweight gear and maybe swapping them out whenever you can afford to. Um, 
And a lot of times swapping out one thing can save you a half a pound. So depending on if you're buying from REI or from like a cottage brand or um, a brand that is known for making ultra light or lightweight gear, one little one piece of equipment change out can actually save you quite a bit of weight. And then over time you can work on, you know, there's some things that people want and they want to have it luxurious and, you know, maybe a little heavier. Um, but unfortunately that's really, that's really the best piece of advice is to just research brands and find things that are going to accommodate what you need. Um, yeah. And also less clothes. I think people always carry too many outfits and you're going to be stinky and dirty anyway. So I, I wear one outfit. I wear that exclusively on trail. I have one little dress, like something like this that I carry with me and I wear that in town. And other than that, I have a jacket and a rain jacket. And that's pretty much all the clothing that I carry in like a sweatshirt. Or like okay. a wow. Yeah. That's not much at all. So you don't bring anything mm-hmm. for like nighttime, just more layers really. Yeah, my sleeping bag generally will keep me warm um, in anything that, you know, a lot of times people think like, I need to bundle up to sleep. But if you have the right sleeping bag, you could sleep naked in it and it should keep you warm up to a certain degree or down to a certain degree safely, obviously. But yeah, I, I used to carry pajamas and now only when I know it's like winter weather is coming, will I even think about, you know, like buying pajamas to carry with me. But generally I just sleep in my bra and underwear. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's great. I, a friend and I are doing a little, just like a little eight day trip and he keeps messaging me like, how many socks are you bringing? <laughs> how many no, socks do you need? Two to one pair of hiking socks, a, yeah. a backup, yeah, a backup pair for when those get wet and then a pair of sleep socks. And that's generally what I carry. Three pairs. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. I like that as well. What do you think some of the biggest differences are between doing like really long distance hiking like this and shorter, like week or two week long trips? Um, physically there's nothing different. Um, mentally, I think when you're done with eight days, you get to go home and like shower and rest, um, with the long distance trails, it's a really, it's a long game. So it's just having the willpower to say, you know, I can get off at this next road and I can go home. Um, and I think a lot of that is just that sense of like adventure of continuing on. Um, and for me, that's, like I said, the longer I'm out there, the more I'm just like processing everything. And, um, but Physically, there's nothing different. Um, and I look at when I meet people and they say, well, I'm only doing like five or six days. I say, no, you're not only doing that. Like you are doing it. Um, and to yeah. some people that could be the biggest trip they've ever taken. And we would never discredit, you know, that. So um, I think it's just, as far as gear wise, you're carrying the, I carry the exact same thing for an overnight as I do for a four month trip. Hmm. How long did it um, take you to do the whole Appalachian Trail? Um, I completed it in 172 days. So um, five months and three weeks or five and a half months. Um, yeah, from March to August. Any, um, is that, that's a pretty normal span of time. Yeah, I've read like mm-hmm. five, six months. Yep. Yeah. Were, were you by yourself? Did you go go with other people? I'm, I mean, I'm sure you met people on the trail, but when you started, were you going alone or did you have hiking partners? So I was lucky enough to um, connect with two women that were starting the same day as me through Instagram or Facebook. It was like a, one of those like Appalachian Trail class groups on Facebook that you can find. And we ended up linking up and we all met together and spent our like our last night in the hotel. And then we started together and I hiked with both of them for about 10 days. And then I hiked with one of them for 500 miles before kind of, you know, separating and, and kind of going our own way. Um, but it was much more bearable with two other women because the three of us together were like we don't really have any idea what we're doing but together we're unstoppable and without them I don't know how far I would have made it honestly they kept me 
on trail until I was more comfortable and in, in my own shoes. That's really great. And you've never met them before. The, this was just nope. it. And then we spent so much time together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like that's such a noteworthy thing to say too, because I, I hear this a lot from um, some of the women in my group. Like we talk a lot about just even solo day hiking is, um, is like a big thing for, for a lot of people. They just go mm-hmm. out there alone. Um, and I think it's really nice to note that even if you don't have like a friend already, there are other people who want to go and do these things too. So you can always make these connections online and, you know, yeah. be safe and all that, but that's great that that was your experience. Uh, do you have any like really big takeaways from that first hike? Oh my gosh. I feel like everything was a takeaway. Um, yeah. just like for me and I've done another, I did the Arizona trail this um, like late winter, early spring. And I'm actually heading out for another trail, um, actually this week. But, um, I think a lot of it was for me, like I have a lot of anxiety and a lot of like things that have always like been at the forefront of my mind. And so I've learned over the years, like when I'm out on trail and I'm not like saying that the trail is, you know, should not, you should stop going to therapy or get off your, you know, mental health medications. But for me, like, being on trail, it quieted everything that was in my mind. And I, to this day, I can't explain to anyone why or how it happened, but I think using your body in a way that is extremely purposeful, it actually allows your mind to just like let go of those things. And I think a lot of that like energy and anxiety is like pent up energy that we have. And so when we're using every ounce of our energy, our minds are able to like let go of that anxiety. So for me, you know, if I'm having the worst day of my life, I will literally just go stand outside and feel the sun or the breeze or hear a bird or anything, touch the snow, touch dirt. Um, and it just helps like kind of quiet everything that's like boiling up inside. So for me, that was the biggest takeaway is finding out that nature was really, really healing for me and being able to like live in a world where my anxiety isn't always like attacking me, um, out on trail. So that's why I find, that's why I find myself the most happy and like at peace. Do you feel like, um, and I completely agree with you, because um, I, I find that similarly, and I've noticed too recently, I just started indoor climbing, and like, I feel like it really, that because it's so focused and purposeful, like, it's like what I want to do now when I have anxiety, because it's like, close, mm-hmm. I can go right there, but it really does help, I feel like it just lets my brain rest, and um, I think same thing too with like trekking, especially a lot of miles, it's like everything just gets more quiet. Um, Absolutely. Do you find... Yeah, it's so it's so great. I'm going to go for a hike right now. Um, <laughs> do you find that that trickles over into your into like your day to day life if you're not on the trail? That some of that kind of peacefulness extends itself. I think just the way of life. Um, it's but, but the thing is, when you come home from trail, it's so easy to get kind of pulled back into, you know, the the pace of the real world, as I call it. Um, but I, I also try to be more mindful because when you're on trail, you have nothing but the present moment. Um, and it's, it can be agonizing if you let it be, you know, you have so many more miles to camp or so many more miles to the next, you know, town where there's a milkshake waiting for you. Um, and I think when I come home from trail, I try to instill that like bit of mindfulness. And I find myself at times like taking deep breaths and like focusing on, you know, those moments whenever things get kind of hectic, but I think once you're like a nature lover or an avid adventure person, like it just kind of changes your DNA. And when you're home, you sometimes get pulled in, but you're always like that same person where you take it one step at a time. And I think that that's something that I've really developed in my life is like learning to enjoy the present moment at like 
when it's happening. Mm -hmm. That's huge too. I mean, that that's such a significant scale. How long ago was it that you went on your first, did the first, um, when did you start the AT what year? Um, I started March of 2019. So okay. a little over two years ago. Okay. Um, and you said you're getting ready to go out on, an, on another big hike really soon. Yeah. Yeah, I leave this week for the Continental Divide Trail, and that goes through Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, Colorado, and New Mexico. And it's the longest um, long-distance trail in the United States, 3,000 miles. Wow. That's cool. How long do you think it'll take you, or what are you planning for? I hope to be home by Christmas. So that'll be about five months if I am home around Christmas time. Are you going with people on this one? Yeah, I'm actually hiking with two women that I know um, that I've personally met, and they're both really, um, you know, amazing women. They've both also done long distance trails, and we're all very excited to start this trip together as kind of like another girl squad. Um, I always try to find women to hike with just because it can be hard as a woman to hike with other women because it's mostly saturated with men. So it's always nice to connect with other ladies and go with them. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. That's so exciting. God, is it? So what do you do about um, bears? Like in, especially in that terrain, really where there's big grizzlies. Um, I'd really like to go up and explore the Wind River Range, but that's a place I want to go with other people because mostly because I'm scared of grizzlies. Um, yeah. I mean, other than just, I guess, regular bear safety and make noise and carry your bear mace, but two-part question, your bear strategy, and uh, did you have any like bear encounters on the Appalachian Trail or in any of your hikes? Yeah, so on the AT, um, I saw like four adults and four cubs, so one mother, or no, four adults and three cubs, and um, they were all very wild bears that wanted nothing to do with me. Um, a lot of times you just whistle or yell at them, and they ran away or ran off and kind of inspected the issue, you know, who, what was happening in their forest. Um, I did become, I did end up between a mom and two cubs on, like I was on the trail and the cubs were over here and the mama was down here. And luckily they were just enough ahead of me that I was non-threatening and I just backed up and I was like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then I let them kind of merge together. Um, and they just kind of paralleled the trail and I just made them known. Like I made sure that they knew I was there and I wasn't going anywhere. And they seemed far more afraid of me than I was of them at this point. That was like the seventh and eighth bear that I had seen. Um, but for this upcoming trail, there's actually grizzly bears. So it gives you a little bit more of an alert, you know, um, because grizzly bears are known to be more aggressive towards humans because they are more of a predatory, um, you know, type of bear. So just the bear spray. And that's why the two girls that I'm hiking with, we have made it very, very clear that we want to hike together through all of grizzly country. So that way a bear is far less likely to attack a group of people than it is just one person. So just being loud and having our bear spray and just kind of having each other's backs and being so aware of each other's surroundings. I think we're all very nervous about it. So, um, but I recently, some videos have surfaced of people encountering grizzlies in glacier like this week and they are just yelling and the grizzly just runs off. So it gives me some reassurance that maybe it's not so scary. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're really well prepared. And I think even just having that, that group and the strength of numbers is, is huge. Absolutely. Um, any part of the trail that you're particularly looking forward to? So Glacier National Park has been the number one thing on my list for about three years to go visit that in Banff, which is in Alberta. Um, and I was planning on 
doing them both together because they're like a small drive, but I actually start the Continental Divide Trail in Glacier National Park. So I am so excited to start in one of the most beautiful parts of our country. And then we will go through the Wind, um, the Wind River Range as well, mm. which I've heard is, I've heard from men that it's the only view that's ever made them cry in wow. their lives. And so I'm very excited to hear, you know, see what all the fuss is about. <laughs> yeah, I know. I keep hearing about that the wind river range that's that's neat i've never heard that it's the only landscape that they've been cry um do you do any particular kind of training or anything as you're getting ready for these um longer hikes this is the honest answer is no i should um before i when i was training for the appalachian trail i ended up hurting my i got it band syndrome on my knee so i've kind of taken it upon myself to not really train, maybe just try to stay active, um, try to, you know, do more things that maybe don't require like extreme exercising, but at least get my body moving. So I've been taking my niece and nephew to like a local amusement park um, a couple of days a week. And, you know, I was working as a bartender up until um, a couple of days ago. And I, you know, I'm no longer doing that for this trip. Um, and a lot of those are preparing me. I'm on my feet for eight to 10 hours a night for shift. And that's also preparing my feet for like being, for being up on my feet all day. Um, but you should train. I personally just, I like to enjoy the time off. So I should train, but I don't. <laughs> but it sounds like you're doing practical things. I mean, I think even mm -hmm. just being on your feet, that, that is really good training. Yeah. Um, anything that you do while you're on trail that help take care of your body? I think you have any little routines or practices that you find are really helpful for your joints at the end of the day or waking up in the morning just to help with the, the endurance that's required. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I, for this, the last trial that I did, I had no foot or leg problems until the very, very end when I wore the wrong shoes and got some gnarly blisters. Um, but on the Appalachian trail, I was experiencing it band syndrome and I had some patellar like insufficiency on my knee and was really, really struggling in the beginning to the point where I thought I'm definitely going to quit. I just, I'm going to wait until it gets to be too painful to bear. And a lot of people had um, given me, um, recommendations and following those got rid of my knee pain. So, um, like they make cork balls and you can roll that over any muscle. Um, and a lot of people do like rolling with little cork balls or foam balls, um, at the end of the day, like the bottoms of their feet, their calves, their hamstrings, whatever. Um, and that really saved me as well as taking ibuprofen, which I'm not, I don't like to recommend people taking, you know, anti-inflammatories, but ibuprofen was the best thing that helped me manage my pain until my body could, you know, get into the shape that it needed to be. So I always have ibuprofen on me, works for headaches, for dehydration, when you're, you know, you're struggling, cramping, um, any type of just ache or pain. And, you know, I try to do that. And then also listening to my body. If I have to do a 25 mile day, but it, by noontime, I'm feeling tight muscles or things pulling, then I know that, you know, I need to reevaluate what I'm going to do. So definitely just listening to my body and taking it slow in the beginning go slow eight to 10 miles a day. If you're just starting out is more than enough. And a lot of people want to do more because they feel good or they're at camp by two, but you know, pushing those miles early on is what causes injury. So take the time, go slow. There is no rush. The sooner you get done, the sooner you have to come home to your normal life. And that's no fun. Um, that's good advice. And that's, I haven't heard of the cork of the phone balls. It's not smart. Mm -hmm. So, so lightweight too. You can just um, shove it in there. I know I was doing a lot of self-massage, um, which was nice too, but the idea of not even having to like, make my hands do work is, uh, is even better. Mm -hmm. 
um, anything, do you take any like luxury type thing, um, with you? Um, other than my journal, I take a town dress, which is like a lot of people, they just wear their rain gear or they'll just kind of hang out in a towel until their clothes are dry. But I like having a town dress to put on, um, just to get out of the same clothing that I've been wearing day in and day out. Um, but other than that, it's yeah, pretty much just my journal and my town dress. Um, everything else I consider a necessity. So <laughs> it could be luxury to some, but to me, it's something that I need in order to be successful. Yeah. I, re I read a description of like just on packing and gear where someone said, instead of thinking like, oh, I might need this and throwing it in the pack to really ask yourself, like, what would happen if I didn't have this? And mm -hmm. that's been a really helpful piece of advice just in my own mindset of thinking like, do what would happen? Would it be bad? Like ibuprofen is something I, <laughs> it would be bad if I didn't have it. Absolutely. I, um, so you, you haven't gone back to being a nurse at all, like no travel nursing or doing PRN work or anything like that. Is that just, you think that's just part of your past? Um, I did go back after the Appalachian trail for about a year. Um, and I transferred into an emergency room in Pittsburgh and I worked there all through COVID. And I think just the taxing energy of working in the emergency room, especially during COVID yeah. was just a lot for me and as someone who already has anxiety and already has that you know thought process of like life is very short and then seeing just how short it really was on an every case basis um I love helping people but for the until I need to go back to work as a nurse I will probably try to do other things um just because for me um just taking a break from that energy was is really important and I can't be a great nurse if I'm constantly thinking about other things that I can't focus. So until I can, you know, disconnect, you know, my thoughts on how short life is and nursing, you know, it's, it's something that I'm, will go back to just not at the moment, not the present. Yeah. And it sounds like you've worked in really high stress, high stakes environments too. Like, you know, neurological, especially progressive neurological diseases. I, in one of my um, internships for PT school, I was in a clinic where that's what it was. And it was really, really hard on me as well. And I love neuro. I think it's so fascinating, but to see young people that have these progressive illnesses, it's, um, it does, I mean, it took a toll on me. So I think it definitely does. Are you, do you get, um, do you have like sponsorships and things like that, that help you financially to be able to travel or do you just work for a bit and then save money? And um, So I, I have received some like free gear in the past from certain companies that I love using. Um, but recent, more recently, I'm trying to kind of actually stray away from that just so I can have an honest opinion of things when people ask me, um, because recently a lot of people have said, like, if you're getting something for free, do you really like it or are you just taking something for free? So you know, over the last couple of months, I've actually kind of strayed away from taking free gear, but I have gotten free gear from brands that I love. Um, as far as like monetary support, um, I just save up money and I make sure I have at least $1,000 a month plus travel. Um, to have like a successful hike. I try to save double that um, just in case of emergency and or having money to come home and figure out my life because, you know, it's always changing when I come home. Yeah, that's, um, that sounds really smart. And I, I appreciate you being candid too. I feel like sometimes there's this, I don't know, like Instagram mindset or something where it's like, just quit your job and leave and, you know, go live in the van or do whatever. But I'm always really curious, like what, you know, what is the financial stability piece behind that? Um, there isn't so, any, <laughs> there's not much. 
but but you just I mean you have a really realistic and reasonable plan too or mm -hmm. like, like the way you take care of yourself is um you know that's good yeah um, and I you know I just I think stuff always comes along and comes around and there are always opportunities um, for most of the time there seems to be things that like kind of fuel us and keep us going and new creative avenues yeah, of course. Um, yeah. Any gear that you do particularly love? Any brands that you really love for um, like any big pieces of gear? So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, everything that I have in my pack is something that I swear by. I would never pack anything, especially on a trip like this, that it's like, oh, it's okay. Um, my pack that I'm carrying is called Light AF, and it's made by one guy in New Jersey, and he has made this amazing pack. It's great for me as a woman, like, we have body parts that don't always fit well into things, um, especially packs designed for men. So finding that was really important. Um, very comfortable pack. Another pack brand that I love who has, they had done like small sponsorships with me in the past is Gossamer Gear. Started out in a guy's garage in the 90s, I believe. And, you know, they now make really cool packs, really lightweight packs and very affordable as well. Um, and my sleeping bag is through Enlightened Equipment. All my rain gear is from Enlightened Equipment. Um, and they also, they've, they ran an ambassador program in late 2019. So a bunch of us applied for it and they picked 11 ambassadors and sent us all a bunch of free goodies to just try um, for last year. But obviously last year was canceled. So this year we're all just kind of getting to use our stuff. And I have purchased their gear before. I love them. So um, yeah, those are probably my top like three brands that I just love that I get to work with and that I get to like give them shout out. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. It's always good to hear like what people who are doing long distance hike like you are, like what you would swear by and love. And mm -hmm. yeah, you want to use. Where can people find you? I know you have um, your YouTube channel and you're on Instagram. Any other? any other places or anything that you want to let people know like where they can find out more about you? Yeah, I would say um, I have an Instagram and I have a YouTube. And then I also infrequently or very, you know, non, non-formally, I have a blog um, that I just recently I've been, a lot of women were talking about clothing choices and how most of the clothing that's offered online is like, hey, look, I got this for free. Look how cool it is. So I took it upon me and I asked my community, what's your favorite underwear, bra, shirt, pants, skirt, dress, whatever for hiking. And I actually conglomerated and made a list based off of their answers. Um, and I think that's the most real way of getting an honest opinion from people and creating a resource. Um, so that's, that, you know, has a lot of people using that as a resource of like, well, what is, you know, what might work for me? And I have everything from the sizes that it includes from like extra small to six XL or whatever. Um, and, pricing and I have them all ranked. And then I also have um, size inclusive. So for people that are maybe plus size or not average size, um, I have different resources for them um, as far as like packs and clothing and stuff like that for them as well. So um, that to me is, you know, I post on there when I feel like it, but um, you know, a lot of times it's just like resources or things where it's like, no one's really, there's no information about this. Maybe I should find the information. So yeah, and that, that's great. You can, yeah. And you can find that. I don't, the website is like a free Wix site, um, but you can find that through my link tree in my Instagram. Okay. And I think you sent me that link too. So I'll definitely post mm -hmm. that in the, in the show notes. So all of um, Julia's links will be there. That's a great resource. Thank you. 
for, for complying yeah. with that. Yeah. What do you do, um, like, as far as menstruating on the trail? I know there's a lot of, and if that's too personal of a question, that's fine. Um, but I know there's a lot of different like, theories with, like, the Diva Cup or, um, I don't know, maybe that's the only one I know. I guess those the underwear that, like, absorb blood. Do you have a particular, and maybe this is on your list, but I'm always curious with um, other women hikers and backpackers, especially long distance. Yeah, I have an actual uh, women's hygiene post on my blog as well, but I love that people ask this question because I feel like women are afraid to talk about their period, right? right? You know, it's a completely natural part of being a human. So um, I don't mind. Personally, I ended up getting an IUD after the Appalachian Trail. So for me, I don't get periods anymore on trail, which is amazing. It is such a blessing. Um, But while I was on the Appalachian Trail, I still menstruated and I was on birth control. So I had a very regular period. I knew when I needed to pack out my supplies. Um, And I was just on birth control just for that fact, because, you know, if I'm not on birth control, my period just shows up whenever it wants. And that's not fun. Um, But I originally had bought a Diva Cup and had trialed it out for months before the trail. And I was having luck with it, but I also realized that it requires you to put your hands in there to retrieve the cup. And that's fine. But when you're out in the middle of the forest, one, you might not have access to running water Two, your hands might not be very clean. So now you're putting dirty hands into your body and then you're pulling out, you know, blood and you want to clean it off and you might not have the resource. Um, so for me, I just did good old traditional tampons and pads. And I had a little trash bag that I would put all my trash in and I would throw it away when I got to town. Um, to me, it worked really well, but I also noticed on trail, my periods really, really decreased in length and, you know, saturation, um, just because your body's so active that I felt, you know, my periods were almost non-existent at the end anyway. Um, but yeah, it's crappy because we don't have a lot of resources about it, but, um, I think also if doing what works for you, um, if you have used a diva cup for 10 years, then why would you switch to something else? Um, I also do talk about the, I think it's the thinks or mm-hmm. the, I, the, there's other, um, period panties, which some women swear by. Um, so I, I mean, I think it's just finding out what works best for you. If you can work a 12 hour shift in a specific way that you handle your period, then, you know, I think that's something that you could, you know, use on the trail too. So, yeah, kind of stick with that. Um, thanks. And I agree. It's so silly that it's like this weird subject that we're not supposed to talk about when it's like 50% of the population goes through, yep. uh, menstruation mm-hmm. as just part of our body's natural cycle. Um, well, thank you so much. Do you have, I guess my last question is, do you have any advice or, um, yeah, do you have any advice for anyone who's thinking about, um, trying something like this, who wants to really take the time and, and <clears throat> go out and start a long distance hike, but maybe they're not sure, or they're, um, you know, concerned or worried or afraid. Um, there's a lot of resources online. Um, just start searching YouTube. There's so many wonderful women that I have looked up to that I've used as resources. Um, also finding like a hiking group on Facebook or on a, you know, Reddit platforms are really helpful as well. Um, Instagram is, is so saturated with hikers and, and long distance backpackers that if you type in any hashtag, you'll find someone that you can connect to or, or find a resource. Um, and, you know, I say finding friends, finding somebody that you can link up with. Um, if you're going to do a long distance trail, starting alone is really daunting and it can be really isolating and lonely, especially if you're hiking around other groups of people or, you know, there's maybe there's no one around you and it can be really 
really not fun to be starting a journey by yourself. So reaching out to the community, finding people, um, don't be afraid to ask questions if you don't know something. Um, and you know, if you're even thinking about it and you have the means to just give it a try because you'll either love it, which you probably will, or you'll realize that that's not your thing. And you can find something else that will better suit, you know, your needs like rock climbing or cycling or kayaking or whatever. Um, but yeah, just to do it. And as women, we are so tough and so amazing and so wonderful that, you know, we can do anything. We've already proven that in all of human history that we are tough, resilient, and, you know, resourceful um, gender. So just go out and do it and give it a shot. And yeah, you won't regret it. Yeah, it's good advice. I love what you said too, just about finding, again, finding community. I think that's such an important piece. Um, and mm-hmm. to know that there are a lot of resources for it. Any particular good groups that you, um, that you recommend or find especially helpful? Yeah, so there is um, the resource that I first um, found when I had no idea where to start was through a friend and it's called thetrek.co. Um, they have writers, bloggers, bloggers. Um, they have a podcast called Backpacker Radio. It is like the mecca for the beginning of researching your through hike. And then they have um, like, say you wanna hike the Appalachian Trail. They have Appalachian Trail class of 2022 and they have groups where there's probably seven or 8,000 people in there, people that are hopefully going to start this trail at a certain year. And that's how I found the girls that I was hiking with through that was, hey, I'm starting in March. Um, anyone else starting? Any ladies want to link up? And we all just kind of linked up. So um, you can find any trail class of year on Facebook. There's, they're made for any long trail. Um, there's Arizona trail class. There's groups everywhere. Um, so just start researching on Facebook if you have one or, like I said, Reddit, YouTube. You'll find people. We come out of the woodworks. We're everywhere. <laughs> That's cool. That's good to know. Um, it, it, because I think it is really lonely to do things on, on your own, especially something like that. That's a long, that's different than going out for a week solo. It's a lot different. Mm-hmm. Um, well, thank you so much for being here. Anything else that you want to um, share or tell people before we sign off today? No, thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks everyone for listening. And um, all of Julia's links will be in the show notes. And if you haven't joined our Sober Girls Hiking and Adventure Club yet, then what are you waiting for? Um, we do group hikes in Southern California, as well as we have online offerings. And um, that will be in the show notes too. And have a wonderful day. Thanks everyone for listening.